Hey y'all, welcome to the I Am Cannabis Sativa podcast. I am your host, Dan Scotland. If you're currently a medical marijuana patient and want to tell your story and be featured on the podcast, feel free to email me at IamCannabisSativa at gmail.com. Feel free to hit me up on Instagram at IamCannabisSativa. Feel free to check out our official Twitter account at ICSativaPod. You can also find and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor, Overcast, Radio Public, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and the Google Play Music Store. Please rate and review us on iTunes, as rating and reviewing us will bum up the pod on their algorithm and put this podcast in front of even more eyeballs. If you like what we are doing and you find yourself coming around often, please become a Patreon supporter of this podcast and support us. By supporting us, this helps us to keep the lights on, pay rent, pay for hosting, equipment, and travel. You can do this by going to HTTPS anchor.fm slash I am cannabis sativa podcast slash support. You can also support me now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash I see sativa podcast. You can support the podcast for as little as $1 a month. We also have a $5 tier if you're feeling extra generous. Hey y'all, Mrs. Sativa here. Hope you guys are having a very good Sunday. So right now I wanted to continue on with our series on learning about Nevada's adult use rollout. Like I like I mentioned, we we can always learn from history and we can always learn from what states before us and what countries and provinces that have the substance that have marijuana legal. We can always learn from the ways they do it or the ways they've done it. Because like I've said on previous episodes, when you really think about it, when you include the 11 states, when you include all of Canada and all the provinces, when you include the ACT in Australia, when you include Uruguay, when you include South Africa, I think I think U.S. Guam, I think as well too. And Jamaica that is decriminalized. That's not really a lot of countries in the grand scheme of things. And when we when we're talking about the world having illegal cannabis, that's a you know we're in a very small company of countries, provinces, can you know states, whatever. We're in a very it's a very very tight circle. So it's it's going to be better if we all learn from each other and. So the upcoming states and the upcoming countries can have things go smoother for them. So that's kind of why I'm doing this. And I'm sort of trying to compare and contrast how my state rolled out adult use versus how how Nevada did, which voted on at the same time and, and, and really got hit the ground running compared to Massachusetts. You know, we had to wait. We had to wait an additional year and a half until our dispensaries open, and we voted on it the same time as as Nevada did. So, again, I can be found on on various different platforms such as Spotify, iTunes, Anchor FM, Stitcher, Podbean, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and other platforms like it. All right. So, 
Law and Profits. This is the next section. It's going to be the next one. The one after this will be Pot and Public Servants. And then part four, um, Michelle, excuse me, Michelle Rindell's is still, I guess she's still working on it. I guess it's still being created or, or written. So let's just read this and see if we can learn from it. So Law and Profits by Michelle Rindell's. Attorneys play a key role in Nevada's complex cannabis industry, but their very involvement falls in an ethical gray area. There are scores of standout names among the well over a thousand owners and officers of marijuana businesses that have sought or won licenses in Nevada. There are former high-ranking state lawmakers, philanthropists who sit on boards of prominent charities, and real estate developers who have left their fingerprints on casinos and shopping plazas throughout the state. There are well-known lawyers and judges and former law enforcement officers. Oh man, I don't, I don't like the, like I've said previously, I don't like the idea of like cops making, making money a second time off this. Because as you know, um, in all of these states that have legalized, it was illegal. And these cops were making a killing, putting people in jail over a harmless plant. And then now they get to open up dispensaries or they get to get licenses i don't like that i don't i don't think you should, you should get to make money off it twice it's just, it does not sit well with me like i mean i know this is gonna ruffle feathers but if, if i found out like a dispensary was operated by like a former cop i, I probably wouldn't i probably wouldn't really give them my business because they're they're effectively making money off off it a second time and i just it just does not sit well with me at all The mix reflects the high bar that Nevada officials set for entering a heavily regulated market for a substance that still remains illegal on a federal level. Among other things, business entities seeking a medical marijuana license in 2014 were required to have at least 250000 in liquid assets and enough resources to cover a year of operations. Below are some of the more recognizable lawyers and community pillars who are or have been involved in the state's marijuana business. Looking out for the coming installment of the Canvas fi Files for more notable names from the Nevada Independent Ownership Analysis. Lawyers. State records show that at least 60 people who are owners or board members of marijuana companies that sought licenses in Nevada are lawyers. That's not counting the many lawyers who do not have a personal stake in the business, but serve cannabis clients, including the numerous lawsuits swirling over the latest state dispensing licensing round. It's indicative of the complexity of running a marijuana business. The marijuana industry, more than nearly any other industry, requires thoughtful and strict compliance, explained Bob Grossbeck, an attorney and co-owner of Planet 13 Dispensary, who formerly served as mayor of Henderson. Attorneys have, by necessity, been involved in every step of the process. But the widespread involvement of attorneys wasn't and still isn't clear-cut, considering marijuana remains illegal at a federal level. After Nevada lawmakers authorized medical marijuana dispensaries in 2013, lawmakers wondered whether conduct even distantly related to cannabis might run afoul of Nevada's lawyers' 
Rule of Professional Conduct 1.2, which prohibits existing a client in conduct that violates the law. The federal-state conflict raised questions among local government attorneys about whether advising on sprinkler safety requirements in grow houses or the distance between a fire hydrant or a dispensary might be considered abetting actions that are federally legal. Then, Las Vegas City Councilman Bob Coffin told the Nevada Supreme Court in 2014 that some local governments were going without legal counsel or hiring out-of-state lawyers because of the ethical ambiguity. I hope you will approve or modify this, that I may have legal counsel as representative of the public, Coffin told the court, according to the Associated Press. In May 2014, the Nevada Supreme Court adopted a policy allowing lawyers to advise clients on marijuana businesses if the conduct was legal under state law. But advising a marijuana client is one thing, owning part of a marijuana business is another. That conflict came into the fore in 2016 when the state bar asked the Nevada Supreme Court to adopt new language saying that the participating that participating personally in the marijuana industry, quote, may result in federal prosecution and trigger discipline proceedings under SCR 111, end quote. Some owner lawyers told the Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Sun that they feared that their state would force all attorneys to either give up their law license or divest their ownership in the marijuana industry, selling their stake potentially below market value. They also expressed frustration that the issue had not been resolved years earlier, before some got involved in the cannabis business in the first place. The Nevada Dispensary Association urged a software approach, arguing that ownership in a medical marijuana enterprise does not reflect upon the attorney's honesty, trustworthiness, or fitness to practice law. Lawyer Eva Sagerbloom argued that the policy would be in direct interference with one of the with one's right to earn a living. Grusbeck, who wrote that he was proud of both his work as a lawyer and someone helping sick people access marijuana, asked the court to reject draconian rules on the matter. Quote, I do not believe I should be forced to throw away a law license that I have held and honored over a quarter of a century simply because I have chosen to operate under a privileged license issued by the state, he said. In, or in an order dated February 10, 2017, the Nevada Supreme Court updated its rules of professional conduct language with the language in spite of two justices suggesting wording that could offer that would offer more qualifications on the prox on the possibility of discipline quote because use possession distribution of marijuana in any form still violates federal law attorneys are advised that engaging in such conduct may result in federal prosecution and trigger discipline proceedings under scr 111 the rule the current rule says but the warning doesn't appear to have triggered the disciplinary crackdown some feared, and many lawyers are upfront about their participation as owners in the industry, affirming the value that attorneys provide to, their, to the business. Others have a less positive view of lawyer involvement. Steve 
Pekiti, an owner of Medical Cannabis Healing, LLC, said his background is in working with businesses to ensure they have a viable corporate structure. He, th he thinks many attorneys who don't have a corporate law background have migrated to the cannabis space because they see it as more lucrative and maybe giving out bad advice that could lead to troubles down the road. Quote, the majority of lawyers got into this space opportunistically, he said, because of the poor structure and oversight, in addition to the incredibly poor and unrealistic statutory and regulatory framework around the industry, I anticipate a tremendous amount of litigation with many marijuana companies as investors find they are not being fairly treated by the operators. Here are some of the many lawyers who have applied for a license and or have ownership interest in a marijuana business. Edward Bernstein, an owner of Silver State Wellness LLC and, and Paradise Wellness LLC, Paradise Wellness Center LLC, is a prominent Las Vegas-based attorney, philanthropist, TV television host known for his tagline, Enough Said, Call Ed. Several marijuana companies, owners, and judges are, several marijuana companies are judges. Owner companies are judges. James Bixler, an owner with the South Nevada Growers, Inc., who served as judge in Las Vegas Justice Court and the 8th Judicial District Court since 1980. When he retired in 2015, he became a senior judge who presides over some places. Neil Beller, a former owner with MCMMLLC, a cultivation company that unsuccessfully sought a retail license last year. He is a board member of the New Horizons School and an act and active at the synagogue Temple Nur Tamid, according to his website. He's also been a deputy district attorney and an alternate municipal judge. Among the other lawyers are Michael Cristalli, a board member of Qualcan LLC, a lawyer with gen gentle gentile. Cristalli, Miller, Armeni, Savers, PLLC. His law firm plays a prominent role in case challenging the Nevada Department of Taxation Distribution of 61 dispensary licenses issued in December 2018. Leo fights still go ongoing. Then there's Pekiti, an owner of Medical Marijuana or Medical Cannabis Healing LLC, a Las Vegas lawyer. He specializes in negotiating and preparing trademark, copyright, and rights of publicity licensing agreements for high-profile clients such as Shaquille O'Neal, Hulk Hogan, and Andre Agassi. He negotiates celebrity appearances for various nightclubs and was instrumental in finalizing agreements with Mariah Carey, Nick Lachey, and others. He also represents world champion boxers. Community Pillars A reputable name was an important piece of winning approval before local government boards helped add legitimacy to an industry that was emerging from the shadows. In 2014, applicants were asked to share with the state previous 
experience they had working in nonprofits or businesses, as well as past community involvement and a resume listing educational achievements. And they were evaluated on the amount of taxes or financial contributions the owner and the board members made to the state over the past five years. In a system that favored wealthy and well-connected members of the community, Although some of the old guard have stepped back from key roles in their companies and passed on responsibility to marijuana industry experts seeking to create a multi-state publicly traded chains. Among the marijuana owners who are heavily involved in nonprofits in the community are Robert Ellis, who has previously who was previously an owner at Trike Companies and is now a board member at Gravitas Henderson. Ellis owns R&S Investment Properties and is a prominent philanthropist who has been known to donate 200000 in Christmas gifts to South Nevada children in a single holiday season. He and his wife have an elementary school in Henderson named in their honor and were named Distinguished Nevadans by the NSHC Board of Regents in 2015. Paul Guzman a real estate broker and president of the Las Vegas Latin Chamber of Commerce is a board member with Deep Root L Medical LLC. Guzman said that he knew who was leading the group. Gary Prim, who has an extensive background in the gaming industry, he didn't have hesitation about getting into the marijuana industry. Guzman is not the only member of the group who has ties to industry. Former Latin Chamber President Otto Medea is an owner of Nevada Holistic Medicine LLC. Norberto Mar Mar probably butchering this. Madrigal is a vice president of the Latin Chamber affiliated with Lunas, a family-owned construction company Construction Cleanup Company is an owner of Herbal Trace Inc. Other philanthropists round out the ranks of marijuana owners. Philip Peckman, CEO of Peckman Capital Corporation, is an owner of, with Thrive Cannabis Marketplace. He's been on the board of council for Better Nevada, a group of community leaders that advocates on education and other policy issues, and is a supporter of the Smith Center of the Performing Arts. Julie Murray, who is also an, order, an owner of Thrive, is head of the philanthropy consulting firm Moonridge Group and helped found the Las Vegas Three Square Food Bank. Jody Gainem, an owner at Wellness Connection of Nevada LLC, previously owned radio. That name sounds familiar. I think there's like a wellness collection in like Maine. I don't know if they're the same company or not, but I just I just want to point that out. Jody Gaham, an owner of Wellness Connection of Nevada LLC, previously owned Radio City Plaza in downtown Las Vegas and is the development director of the Cleveland Clinic's Lou Ruvo Center for Brain Health in downtown Las Vegas. She is a former Rockette and came into Las Vegas in 1979 after being hired by Liberace. She was previously an adver adversary or 
advisory board member at the Smith Center for the Performing Arts. Good for Jody, man. That's awesome. She was a raw cat, and now she she has a stake in a cannabis company. I, I, I like hearing stories like that. I really do. Her late husband, Dr. Elias Grant Gaham, was also known as a doctor to the stars, including Elvis Presley, and was chairman of the Nevada State Athletic Commission, where he played a role in revoking Mike Tyson's license to box after he bit Evander Holyfield's ear. Okay, well, that's not... I mean, you shouldn't be... I remember that match. I mean, I remember it was my family, like, getting HBO for that night and watching Mike Tyson bite that ear off. I remember that perfectly. I remember watching it. But, um, I don't know. I mean, you shouldn't be biting off people's ears, but, I mean, you can't deny that Mike Tyson's one of the best boxers ever. You know, I mean, not having him in the sport or taking his license away. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean, I've, I I found it sort of distasteful when he did that back then. And I was like, that's just, that's, I mean, yeah, you're supposed to kick butt, but you're not supposed to be biting off ears. But I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, still don't know how I feel about how that happened. But, you know, it was, it was crazy watching that live. Um, let me stop digressing. Look out for the next installment of The Cannabis Files, a look at the politicians, gaming executives, developers involved in the industry. If you missed the kickoff, check out Growing Pains, an overview of the issues that have put Nevada cannabis industry at a crossroads. End of article. And um, I'll just, I'll read this at the end, I guess, too. The Nevada Independent is 501c3 nonprofit needs organization. We're committed to transparency and disclose all of our donors. The following people or entities mentioned in this article are financial supporters of our work. Bob Coffin, 2000 bucks. Eva Seegerbloom, 120 bucks. Julie Murray, 2600 bucks. Land Chamber of Commerce Commerce event sponsor, 3000. Nevada Dispensary Association event sponsor four thousand. All right, so that's the end of this sort of of this part two about law and profits. It does seem that Nevada is being self there as a whole. They're being sort of self aware. There's you know they're they're sort of auditing their their processes and you know I mean it is pay to play like any other state from what I just read and what 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 I'm understanding. But it does seem like it does seem like they have it does seem like they're making an effort to get this in order and to get this streamlined. And as as and if you read if you listen to the previous podcast or the previous episode where the first part was growing pains, um, what I liked in that article is that Nevada and like the the mindset of many of the people entering business in Nevada, they're like you know, they, they likened it a lot to the gaming industry. As you know, Nevada is one of the bi- Las Vegas, Nevada is one of the biggest gambling places in the, in, in the world. And they've, you know, and they were able to make, they were able to make Las Vegas the gambling capital of the world. And they were able to sort of rein in a sin and a vice where, you know, a lot can go wrong in such a thing, but they were able to sort of have this down to a science and they've sort of carried over that same mindset to handling marijuana. Whereas in Massachusetts, it just feels like all the regulators and most of the people, they just want to restrict and limit our use and they don't want us to have access. They just see this as a dangerous thing that they have to 
they have to make as little people have. Whereas Nevada, from from my outside perspective, it seems like you know they're 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 trying to hit the ground running and they're more optimistic on their ability and their citizens ability to use the plant responsibly if regulated responsibly where in Massachusetts it just feels like they're over regulating because they don't feel that they trust us but you know they it just feels like they trust the their citizens more in that hey we just put we we put forth a good and solid framework you know, we treat this, we, we handle this like we handled gambling in the past. And then once we do that, you know, our people can make good decisions and we'll use this safely if we put the right safeguards and we don't over, we don't overprotect or we don't overregulate them. And just seem like in Nevada, they're making that effort to really, to, to really turn, to make cannabis good in that state. And to really have variety and to really have a lot of things going on with cannabis in Nevada. You know, um, like I said, they they legalized in the same election cycle Massachusetts had. And in just a few months, they had a few dispensaries open. Now, granted, they had shortages at first, like Massachusetts and all the other states had. But they didn't waste time. They they did it in they, they opened the, the adult use dispensaries in just a few months where it took it took Massachusetts almost two years for the first dispensary to open. But I, I do like learning from other states, and I do think that there's a lot we can glean from learning about other states. And it does seem like Nevada has more of a can-do attitude compared to Massachusetts with this. And um, you do have to keep in mind that prior to medical, no, prior to legalization, Nevada was a hardcore prohibition state like Massachusetts. You know, uh, my my sister, who, who's been all over the country and who's traveled, was surprised that Nevada had legal cannabis because she she's traveled there before and she was talking about how strict Nevada used to be about cannabis. And they, they were very, very strict about it. And it was, you know, I remember this picture. I, I think I might use it as like the cover art where it's like, it's, I don't know if it's from like the 1970s or something or 80s, but it's like, oh, get caught with marijuana in, 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 in Vegas and, you know, don't gamble with your life because you'll get in, you'll get thrown in jail for a long time. I think that was like the gist of the picture of, of the, of the um, road sign on the picture, the billboard sign. I think I'm going to make that the cover art of this episode. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that sort of wraps up this part. Um, as usual, I can be found on various different platforms. If you like this podcast and you find yourself coming around often to it, you can become a Patreon and you can get episodes as they drop early. Um, I, I try to release episodes at 3 a.m. Um, Eastern Standard Time for the general public. But when I release episodes early on Patreon, if you pay just $1 a month, you can get these early release episodes uh, for just one buck a month and you'll get it before everyone else you, you know because everyone else would have to wait 3 a.m eastern standard time when i release it for the general public but you can support me on patreon i got a paypal link paypal.me slash ic sativa podcast uh, and you can check out my socials at i am camera sativa on ig on instagram and on twitter i'm ic sativa pod as always stay medicated my friends and peace out if you find yourself coming around often to my podcast and want to support our humble little project, there are a few ways that you can do so. Supporting us helps us keep the lights on, pay rent, 
pay for housing and equipment and travel. You can do this by going to www.anchor.fm slash Sativa podcast slash support. You can also support me now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Sativa podcast. You can also support the podcast for as little as $1 a month. If you are feeling extra generous, we have $5 and above tiers. Additionally, if you wish to get in contact with us, you can leave me a voice message on Anchor. You can do this by going to www.anchor.fm slash I am Cannabis Sativa podcast and click the send voice message button. And I may just play it on a future episode. You can also call and leave a voice message at the phone number 617-466-9389. That is 617-466-9389. And I may just play it on a future episode. If you are in need of some good CBD products, you can also check out Sequoia Organics for a great source of CBD and hemp products. You can check them out by checking out this link um www.bit.ly slash 33FKRV9 and you can try the following coupon codes dog treat 20 tincture 20 40 percent sign off ISO and 15 percent sign off CBD And you can use those codes to get a discount on various CBD products on their website. And if you're looking to get inexpensive CBD flour delivered to your door quickly and cheaply in New England, check out bostonhempire.com, where you can get frequent sales on CBD flour and other products such as tinctures and edibles as well, too. Boston Hempire will get you cheap CBD flour delivered to your door in New England and the rest of the United States for a very, very good price. And I highly recommend their products too. Feel free to enter the URL HTTPS colon slash slash shop dot Boston dot com slash question mark REF equals D Scotland. Peace out and ciao.